Hi, I'm Ava Blackwell. You may recognize me as Osnolis from Star Trek Discovery and Lieutenant Ina. I'm also Rebecca Remain's stunt double on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. You're listening to Trek Untold. Welcome to Trek Untold, the Star Trek podcast that goes beyond the stars. I'm your host, Matthew Kaplowitz. Way back on episode 20 of this show, I spoke with actress Ava Blackwell, who you might remember as Osnalis from Star Trek Discovery. At the time, she was telling me about her interest in stunts and how she planned on pursuing a career more so on that side of the industry, still alongside her performing career on screen. Fast forward to two years later, and I'm glad to say we are joined once more by Ava, who is now back to tell us all about what's changed for her since that very first interview we did. These days, you've seen Ava continue to be a part of the Discovery team, including more time as Osnalis, a Kelpian, and even a Starfleet officer without alien makeup, so yeah, you've actually now seen her face for real. But more recently, you've seen, and also not seen her, on Strange New Worlds, where Ava has been a stunt double for Rebecca Romaine, as well as performing some other stunts across a series that you're going to hear about today. And there's one in particular that is so wacky that, oof, I cannot wait till we get to that story. But anyway, yeah. So while we spent our very first interview delving into her past roles, we're not going to do much of that here today because, frankly, it's old ground for us. But if you do want to hear tales from Ava's past and some of our other work, I recommend you check out that very first episode that we did with her if you want that background information and all that other cool stuff. This time around, though, it is all about the stunts, learning how she takes falls and gets into fights on behalf of Rebecca Romaine, and the fun and danger of working in this part of the industry. Ava has come a long way in two years, and I'm thrilled to have her return to this show and update us on her evolving career, and also tell us some of those great Star Trek stories that I guarantee you've never heard before. So pad up and tuck your chin in so you don't hit your head. Let's go ahead now and dive on into the stunt world of Star Trek with Ava Blackwell. But before we begin this week's episode, I want to remind you to follow Trek Untold on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Trek Untold, all one word. You can get show updates, check out some fun memes, and let me know what you think about what's going on with the current events in the Star Trek universe. You can also support this show directly on Patreon at patreon.com slash trekuntold, where you can support this show for as little as $2 a month. At higher tiers, you can listen to the shows before they come out, know about my guests well in advance, and even have a chance to ask them questions, get transcripts of these episodes to make sure you get all the info, and more benefits coming soon, including watch parties and live streams. But that's all dependent on more fans like you coming over and letting me know you want to be a part of events like that. If you want some Trek Untold merchandise, check out our store for gear and apparel, including shirts, hats, stickers, water bottles, notebooks, and a whole lot more. New designs will be added throughout the year, so it's always worth taking a peek. Trek Untold also has an Amazon shop where you can peruse everything Star Trek, sci-fi, and geeky on Amazon in one convenient location. If you're looking for a gift for the Trekkie in your life, or maybe you want to see some of my favorite non-Star Trek things that you can get for yourself, check out the link for my Amazon shop in the show notes on the audio version and in the description below this video on YouTube. If you're listening to us on iTunes or any other audio platforms that allow for ratings and reviews, please leave us a five-star rating and a positive review to help out this show. If you're watching it on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to us at youtube.com slash nerdnewstoday 
and give the video a thumbs up and a comment. All of these things help more people find this show and to continue growing and bringing you awesome guests each and every week. Now, without further ado, let's beam in this week's guest. Computer, access interview file. And welcome back to Trek Untold. Now, welcome back to a guest who's been with us before. We are now once again joined for the second time ever on this show by Ava Blackwell. Ava, how are you today? Hey, Matthew. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Now, I want to let you know, too, and let our fans know that we don't really do a lot of double guests, you know, who have been here again. I want to do more of that kind of thing where, uh, you know, we have guests come back because I always say I want them to come back. Uh, but so far to date, you are number three. So we've had Chase Masterson and Alicia Naff and now you. So you are among... Uh, quite excellent luminaries there in that list. Great. Third time's the charm, I hope. Yeah, I hope so, too. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure we will be the way things are going for you. So, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, as I mentioned, we spoke to you way back in like episode 20, which was mid-September of 2020, if you can believe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I just want to start thing off by saying, you know, congrats to everything that you're doing. Because there's a big reason I wanted to have you back here, because a lot has changed for you, I feel like. So, um, Thank you. Know, you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been pretty incredible. I'm excited to talk to you about it and share with your listeners and everybody who's tuning in. It's it's pretty cool. And I apologize for rambling so much at the top of this thing here, but I do want to let folks know that the reason I'm mentioning this also is because, you know, typically on the podcast, I like to ask all these background stories, get all this information about the performers or my guests, uh, you know, and we we already did that. So if you guys are new to the show and you want to hear my interview with Ava from that time in uh, September 2020, that's where you're going to hear all about her backstory, all about her origins, if you will, uh, some of her other work and a little bit of Oz Nallis and Oz Nallis' origins, I guess, also. So uh, you know, we're, we're going to rehash probably a few things here and there, but for the most part, if you want to get the full Ava Blackwell story, go back, dig into the archives, and find episode 20. Um, but for now, let's just jump on in here, and uh, for once, we're actually going to start off with Star Trek, which is <laughs> fun to do. Um, so yeah, last time we talked, we talked about you being Osnalis on Discovery. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'd like to kind of hear about, once again, just because we didn't do this with the video either, I'd like to hear a little bit about the makeup process for Osnalis and, you know, talk about where we were season two and what's changed by the end of season three, season four for how that process has worked out. Perfect. Let's do it. I'll tell you a little bit about the makeup process for Osnalis. I mean, it started off as, um, I believe now we have to check our sources on this, but what I've been told by some of like just the murmurings around set and stuff is that Osnalis was originally a prototype for Saru, like way back pre even like show getting greenlit. It was like in the pre-production stages and the the prosthetics company was playing around with all these different species as they do. Um, But they decided they wanted something a little bit sleeker and hence now we have Doug Jones doing a beautiful job with Saru in that current makeup. But they liked this creature, um, Ozanala, so they decided to create uh, a few of them. There's there's two, uh, the purple one and the orange one. And the species is called, called Osnalis. And it's it's not that it's not that long of a process anymore because they've kind of put it around it, like what is essentially a helmet and then build the prosthetics around it. And uh, there's a picture of me um, from season two, if you want to refer to it on my Instagram with uh, Hugo from M3FX. And he's holding the head and I'm in my balaclava and the and the jazz hands, uh, <laughs> the giant Osnala's hands. And essentially what we do is I rehearse without the head. And uh, then when they do finals on all the actors and stuff, uh, Hugo or somebody else comes in and they pop the head on me and we put the jacket back on. And then I, um, I then play Osnala's. And this is something, again, we talked about in our first interview, too, but how limited is your vision in that helmet? 
Oh, it's like less than less than 5%, I'd say. I used to say less than 10, but then we actually like went through like fields of vision and stuff. It's less than 5%. It's essentially the size of two pencil hole erasers that I see out of like this <laughs> pencil eraser holes. Yeah, it's um it's it's not much. So I basically have to move uh via sound. I can't hear much either. I hear like maybe 20% of what's going on. But I can listen when I do the rehearsal. I know the bridge so well now that I do the rehearsal. I map out where all the actors are going to be and I can figure out my eye lines um, for the mask and just do it in one rehearsal and then mimic it. So I feel like this is like a secret of Osnalis here that Osnalis uses echolocation to get around. <laughs> yes. that, that's my head cannon now for this. <laughs> She's deaf and blind, the yeah. actress is. So uh, she uses um, a, like a feeling, a sentience echolocation. Yeah. And uh, you guys have also changed costumes a few times on Discovery. You know, you've been in the blue mm-hmm. outfit from the first two seasons. Now in the future, you guys have the new future outfits. Uh, you know, I, I guess a little bit of insider information here. Which one's more comfy to wear for you? I, that's a that's a great question. Um, they're both comfortable for different reasons. I like the season two, like uh, up until like mid season three costumes, the original blue ones. They're my personal favorite. Um, just because it's easier to take the jacket on and off. They zip, so they're not as comfortable when you're standing and moving around. But they were a little bit more like utilitarian and sleek. These new ones in the future, I love. It's like an evolution. They're just, we can't sit down in those costumes. So we always have, like, we're not allowed to sit because it wrinkles them, right? Like they're beautiful and straight when you're standing, but we have to take them off and put them on a hanger when we're sitting. So it's just a little bit more cumbersome in that in that respect. Now, you mentioned that there are two Kelpians that we see on screen a lot. Are both of those played by you, or is there someone else in the other suit? Oh, two Osnolis. Uh, yeah, Osnoli, I guess, um, on screen a lot. I have played both. I've played the blue mask and, or, well, the purple indigo mask and the orange mask. Um, but I, I generally am in the orange one. There was a gentleman, he's, his name is Queso, and he was the purple uh Osnolis for a long time until unfortunately he died in sick bay yeah rest in peace purple Osnolis. rest in peace rip sounds like it could be a prince song um rest oh, in yeah. purple <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect yes now uh, you also did a kelpian in the season four premiere so i'm curious you know compared to Osnolis, how was that makeup process for you it sounds like it would probably be a lot worse well oh, I, I i have like i've always had so much respect for doug but especially after playing a Kelpian for one day, I like it just skyrocketed. I was like, Doug, I'm used to uncomfortable prosthetics, but he is the king of creatures. And uh, that makeup and that wardrobe is very challenging. It's endurance based. Um, and you have you have everything. You have gl- things glued to your face. You have contact lenses in. You have your gloves on. And then you have these crazy shoes that you got to balance in that have no heel. They're beautiful. It's a beautiful line, but um, it's it's a challenge. It's an endurance thing. And the hardest part, our scene was basically standing still. And that's the hardest thing to do in those shoes is stand still. Because when you're in motion, you can balance in those shoes pretty well. But standing still, it's like it's all your stabilization muscles working. Because those shoes are essentially like stilts, right? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. They're like poof stilts <laughs> i mean it's like one thing to be like in really high heels that can be a little difficult to walk in but this is like literally stilts so i mean have you done anything like that before or is that your first time ever just doing that sort of thing no i've done stuff like that before i mean with my stunt background i play around with stuff and i've been on stilts and uh i mean 
it, it's a little, it's even a little different than stilts because you're truly only on the ball of your foot. I mean, you are like that when you're in stilts usually, but the way it kind of cantilevers up, it does support the arch of your foot all the way back to the heel. So the way the weight balances, but you're truly putting all of the pressure onto the ball of your foot. And how the heck do you survive that? Cause that just sounds painful even talking about it. You just find a nice place to sit between takes. You just, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I got to say too, one of the cool things uh, in discovery that I saw recently was the fact that I saw you in it. Cause uh, you, and I'm saying you as yeah. in no helmet, no Kelpian mask, no Osnala's helmet or anything like that. Uh, you actually got to be someone on screen. You were Lieutenant Ina for a few episodes here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess the first question about that is, did anyone even recognize you? Cause you know, I imagine most time you're walking around the set <laughs> with that helmet on. Uh, you know what? The nice thing about Osnalis is that I get to take that off when we when we step off. So I, I, in that respect, I've gotten to know the crew and the rest of the cast really well. Because there's like, you know, a bit of a barrier when you're in prosthetics. And in that helmet, there would be. Um, so, yeah, I, I, Lieutenant Ina has played four episodes so far. She has three episodes at the end of season three and one episode uh, mid-season four. And um, she's a fun character she's very cool she's still on the ship somewhere she's moving around on the, on the other decks making sure things are going well um and nobody like it took a minute for uh the fans to recognize me but it was cool like once they did there was a bunch of you know threads and stories and everything being like oh this actress plays osnolis and now lieutenant Ina. it was very cool it was really nice to see people recognizing the name and then putting a, literally a face to the name yeah, I, I gotta tell you, I was a little bit uh, surprised to see it, and I was super happy to see it. And we'll talk about why, I guess, a little bit later on in this interview. But yeah, no, it was very fun seeing your face. And uh, yeah, sorry, folks, for mispronouncing the name. I'm going to leave that blooper in. Cause, That's okay. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. It's, um, we were all, it was like a decision, and we all asked, like, Sinequa, because she has to say my name, too. Um, she We asked Tunde, and he said it's Ina. So... That's from the executive producer. That's how you pronounce it. In my head, Ken, it's going to be Ina because her full name is like Ina Mina Mo or something like that. Yeah, so. cool. Perfect. I'll pitch yeah, that. Sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what's, what's kind of interesting to me, too, especially, though, is like you're doing Osnalis at that point, And then you're also doing Lieutenant Ina. So mm-hmm. one day you're an alien. Next day you're a human. So how do you guys decide what day you're going to be which character? And how does that not get confusing for you? I mean, is that actually written in the script or is just kind of like on a whim we decide today you're going to do it this way? Um, no, it's written in the script and they decide when they want that feeling for the character on the bridge. And, uh, generally speaking, like it's just, it's me as a body, like uh, as an actor, as a performer. So if I'm Ina, I'm Ina that day. And Osnalis has been present once when I played Ina. Uh, no, they write it into the script and, um, some days I'm Ina and some days I'm Osnalis. There usually when I'm Ina, uh, there is another uh, woman her name is escaping me her full name is escaping me right now but i believe it's oxana she's come in and replaced me once or twice um and she's a close match to my body so uh when i play Ina and they need osnalis on the bridge they bring oxana in now one of the big moments at the end of season four disco was the reveal of the president of earth which was stacy abrams yes. and uh, i know you weren't necessarily in that exact scene but I'm curious if you got to be there that day when they shot that and if you were if you happened to be around her. I was not, unfortunately. I would have loved to have be there, been there, but I didn't I, yeah, I didn't get to meet her. It would be really cool, but no. Okay. Well, that's unfortunate. Sorry, I mean, luckily, sorry you know. to disappoint. I would love to have so much more to talk about. Is she going to has she been on the podcast? Is she coming on? 
Uh, no, no, but we're, we're certainly going to be trying. That's for sure. Uh, so Stacey, everyone's getting ready. We're coming for you. But uh, <laughs> I guess overall, I kind of just want to get a quick overview of how it felt for you to be the last two seasons of Disco, though, because, you know, we're now in the future. Things have changed. Um, so, you know, but I, I want to also know a little bit more about the camaraderie of your crew, uh, the folks who you're performing with. Uh, has that changed for you guys? I mean, are you guys even more close? Because uh, I know one of the complaints also we've heard from folks is how we barely know who the other core members are of the bridge crew, other than like Captain Burnham, other than Book. Um, so, you know, I wonder for you guys out there who are the supporting cast members of this bridge crew, how do you feel right now about the direction of the, of the show, what you guys are doing, and more so just, you know, how are you guys feeling as a unit? Like, do you feel like a family and friends kind of group now? Oh, yeah, for sure. There's so much camaraderie uh, on the bridge, like between castmates. It's great. It's one of the most welcoming, tight-knit environments I've ever had the pleasure of being part of. And I mean, that comes from everybody participating um, in it, but it really, Sinequa sets that tone. She's an incredible lead. She's an incredible number one on the call sheet. Like, she sets the tone for everything. She is so kind. She is so professional. She is so informed. She's so warm. And um, she makes sure that we're all, you know, together as a team. I got to see if I can dig a little bit of dirt out of this interview also, because that's what I do. Uh, you got any great blooper stories for us, Ava? Oh, have you seen the t- season two blooper reel where uh, Anson Mount um, like names me captain? Yeah, you've seen that. You've all seen that. Um, I don't know. There's always like, I wish I had a great blooper story to tell you. Did I tell you the ones where like it was my second day on set and I didn't know my way around and they just plopped me in the head and uh, told me to go? This was like how we came to the... This is a cool story. Okay. This is how we came to rehearsing, me rehearsing without the head. So I was told to like uh, go from um, Spore Drive Station to Saru Station um, for a cross, basically just to create some movement on the bridge when everybody's coming in. And I was like, okay, I can't really see, but we're going to try it. And so I went for it and I thought, I was like, oh, I've got this. This is it. I'm going for it. And then all of a sudden I slam into something. I slam off of a wall and I slam right into Doug who catches me. (laughs) He's like, oh, precious. He calls everybody precious. Oh, precious. And just like kind of steers me gently in the right direction. (laughs) Yeah. So after that, we started rehearsing without the head. So I actually know where I'm going. Seems like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, mm. <laughs> I might need one rehearsal without the head. So I know that you guys are also filming a lot of disco uh, during the height of COVID. And we talked a little bit about that in our very first interview, but uh, you know, COVID has continued. You guys still had to work within that. I don't know if it's been a thing for strange new worlds as well, but uh, yeah. how has filming changed for you guys during the pandemic? Oh yeah. I mean, it changed everything, right? It changed the amount of, and it it had its own evolution and its own arc. And I don't know if you know, but in Toronto, Ontario specifically, we had some of the most stringent um, mandates and policies in place in the world uh, and for the longest amount of time. So it was really a long haul with COVID. It has been a long haul. There's still It's not as strict by any means, but there's still a lot of um, mandates in place on set when you're filming. Um, During the height of it, it was like you could have you had a limit to the amount of actors you could have on stage. You had a limit to the amount of crew you could have around. You had to test. We were testing daily um, for COVID. You had to have masks on until you were rolling, basically, and then had to pop them back on as soon as you were done. The crew had to take them on. It had to keep them on all day, every day, all the time. There was um, at the, like the height of mandates and measures, uh, crew had to wear face mask, eye protection, and then sometimes extra shielding if they were 
to be near a cast at all. And that was just, it was crazy. Um, and yeah, then the vaccination policies came into place and many, um, many productions had like a double vax policy in place. And now sometimes there's the booster in place. They want to see triple vaxed. Now it's kind of like petering off. We're still taking it very seriously. Obviously we'll see what happens in the fall. Um, but yeah, it has, it's taken a lot of the personal, I don't want to say joy, but like with all of the mandates and stuff in place, I'm very grateful we were able to continue filming the way we were. We were an essential service and I'm lucky that we had work and we got paid and we could show up and create art and create something that so many people love and keep going and do it and bring that to the audience and to the fans. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a long haul and you can definitely feel the fatigue in a lot of the casting crew around here right now. Yeah, I can definitely understand. It's probably just a lot of frustration too, just not even the fatigue, just yeah. the frustration of not being able to do things the way you're used to doing them for so long. Yeah, it just, it added a lot of extra time and like it slowed things down. And yeah, exactly. It's that frustration of constantly having to recalibrate and constantly having to adapt to new rules. Because it wasn't like the rules were in place and then those were the rules. They just kept changing. And it's not production's fault either. They have to, they have to adjust to what the government puts in place and to the evolution of the virus and what's happening. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely been a long haul. Trek Untold will return momentarily. Trek Untold is sponsored by Triple Fiction Productions. Celebrating 15 years in business in 2023, TFP creates 3D-printed Star Trek and sci-fi-inspired items that fit into any collection. Whether you're a cosplayer who wants a Starfleet phaser, a Bajoran tricorder, or a Klingon dagger, or a toy collector looking for that special accessory or diorama to make your figures truly stand out, Triple Fiction Productions has exactly what you need. And for you figure fanatics, that includes products that are the perfect size for Galoob, Mego, Playmates, and everything in between. All products are 3D printed in the U.S., with new designs constantly being updated on their website. Repeat customers can sign up for TFP's loyalty program for free, which is a great way to save money as you build your collection. Repeat customers can sign up for TFP's loyalty program for free, which is a great way to save money as you build your collection. Repeat customers can sign up for TFP's loyalty program for free, where the more you order, the more discounts you receive. TFP also has a pay-what-you-want section, where clearance or misprinted items are available at a discounted price. Best of all, every product can be shipped worldwide. As a special bonus for listeners of this show, Trek Untold has a special discount code just for you. Enter UNTOLD10 at checkout for 10% off of all orders with no minimum purchase required. That's 10% off using UNTOLD10. To see all of their products, head to triple-fictionproductions.net. Or to stay up to date on their newest products, find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Triple Fiction Productions, where something is only impossible until it happens. Hey, I'm Licia Nav, a.k.a. Ensign Sonia Gomez from Star Trek TNG. And now, Captain Sonia Gomez on Lower Decks with her own ship, the Archimedes. Yay! I finally got a promotion after 25 years. So anyway, I'm here to talk about drivebydugaters.org. It's a little charity I run where we go to the outskirts of Skid Row, and from our car windows, we hand out basic human essentials like water, wipes, cold stream cheese, socks, tarps, masks, t-shirts, things to keep people warm. So we just think that everyone deserves clean water 
some protein and a way to clean themselves, especially during Corona. We also hand out masks to those who really, really need it, who live in tents on the street, mainly the disabled and elderly who have a really hard time getting to services. We do all of this with no agenda, just pure giving, no overhead. If you'd like to go to the website and donate, it's 100% tax deductible. And if you click on the donate button, you can go right to the $35 option and pick a signed autograph picture of either the Star Trek The Next Generation or Lord X or Total Recall, where I played the three-breasted mutant hooker on Mars, and uh, that's the X-rated version. Put in the comments section your address and anything you'd like me to write, and I'll personally inscribe it and mail it off to you immediately. And again, that's drivebydogooders.org. Ensign, I mean, Captain Sonia Gomez, signing off. Well, Ava, let's talk a little bit more about what I feel like has become your focus. And you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like these days, especially, like, you're kind of moving a lot more heavily into the stunts world. And that's something we talked about, like, in our last interview was how that's something you wanted to do a lot more of. And uh, I think now it's safe to say you were very much doing that more, especially in the world of Star Trek. So mm-hmm. we'll go through my personal journey of of seeing Ava in the Star Trek Strange New World show, but uh, we'll come back to that point. Uh, I was really, really happy to see you doing that because I was like, oh, my God, she's doing it. Uh, so I, I would love to know a little bit about uh, how you got cast, essentially, to double for Rebecca Romaine in Strange New Worlds. Yeah, isn't that cool? Like, it's very cool. I'm so happy insane? for you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, well, I uh, the uh, stunt coordinator, Neil Davison, I had met a few times when he was helping out doing some stunt stuff on Discovery. We had introduced ourselves and I said, you know, as I was saying to you, I'd love to do more stunt work. I'm training and I have my martial arts background and here's the stuff I do at the time. So he was like, oh, cool. You know, and at the time he didn't even have the show Strange New Worlds. It wasn't even like didn't exist yet. It was very early season two of Discovery. And then, um, you know, I just got I was growing a little bit in the stunt community pre Strange New Worlds. And uh, when the opportunity came up, he asked me to send in my photos and my stuff and he pitched me to the producers and they already knew my name from discovery and they're like okay if she's not too like if she's not super busy on discovery we'll slot her in when we can on strange new worlds and scheduling just happened to work out and there we go that's how it happened yeah and i imagine the audition process is a lot different because you know it's not like you're going in for an acting gig and you're gonna like read a few pages or whatever it's um you know it's more just like you're sending in your information and luckily you're not doing any falls on the spot to like show hey here's what i can do Um, I mean, sometimes you do, we do hold auditions for stunts. Um, but because I had an existing relationship with everybody and they knew my capabilities and they knew what I was, yeah, it's, it's like that, like it, and it gets to that level too, when you're acting, sometimes you get direct offers because they know your work and they know you'd be good for this. And it's always flattering when they write roles for you. But, uh, yeah, with stunts, it's more like do your measurements, especially when you're doubling, like my measurements just happen to be quite close to Rebecca's and, um, and uh, that helped, obviously. Like I looked, I was the best silhouette to match her because uh, that's essentially what you are. And I was well known to the community. So they let me have the job, which is very nice. Of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's basically like stunt people are, are essentially the faceless men of Bravo. So if you were going to make a Game of Thrones reference, which I don't think anyone will, but I will. I'm no, but that's a good but... reference. Yeah, it's for sure. Um yeah, but the funny thing is, they did actually, like, they have used basically my face as Rebecca, which is crazy. There's a, That's how good of a match we are. When I pick up um, Hemmer, whose stunt double is Sebastian Buitrago, um, I pick him up and I turn. They use basically, like, a three-quarter profile of me until they cut to Rebecca. 
And then in uh, Ghosts of Illyria, when I throw um, La'an's double, Christine Trin was at the time, and now it's Lake O. She does a lot of the doubling for uh, Chrissy Chong, who is lovely. Both of those girls, all three of them, Christine, uh, Chrissy, and Lego. When I throw Christine and turn around, that's my full face diving on top of Christine. Like, it's insane that they use that shot. It's a wide shot. It's kind of dark, whatever. But it's a close enough match that they got away with it. It's pretty incredible. I'm so glad you mentioned that fight scene, too, because to me, like, that was such a throwback to the original 60s Star Trek, where they would do the super wide shots. And I feel like they probably left it in because it's also, like, the 60s Star Trek, where you could tell, like, that certainly wasn't William Shatner in a fight scene. It was some other completely different looking dude doing it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I know. Isn't that funny? I love that you uh, wove that in there because the coordinator did actually bring that up when I was talking to him. I was like, you're right. That's correct. That is how that goes. Hopefully I'm a little bit of a better match to Rebecca than that guy to William. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, you tell me this right now. Like, I didn't actually know what stunts were your stunts. And I'm going to ask you about that. But like uh, yeah. that, the fact that you're telling me you were the one that like carried Hammer, I, I'm like, I didn't notice that at all. So you blended in perfectly. That was like a seamless look for you, I guess. So wow. thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, um, it, it's it's pretty incredible when you match an actress that seamlessly, which is really nice. And, you know, since you already mentioned to that fight scene, uh, I would love to hear a little bit more about the choreography, especially for that scene. So just like I'd like to hear about how you guys put that fight together and uh, just what the shoot was like, because yeah. for me, like it felt very much 60s. It felt like a real retro fight, even the moves you guys were doing. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, I guess, the tone of what you guys are doing, what, what the fight choreography is like. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh as I mentioned, Neil Davison is the stunt coordinator and then Eric Daniel is the uh, fight coordinator and they're both excellent. They have such, they both come from like a performer background and then their careers, their careers are incredible how they've evolved. And Neil is an excellent gymnast. He was like a national level gymnast and uh, Eric is incredible. He was on a bunch of different performance teams with Taekwondo and a bunch of other fight stuff. You never see him without like a weapon in his hand, even when he's doing like, walking around set on his phone he'll have like a stunt knife in his hand that he's twirling around and always trying to get better (laughs) he's incredible they're both incredible i have so much respect for them and um so we had uh two rehearsals we weren't even sure of the date of this fight but we had two rehearsals uh one to shoot the one to build the fight and shoot the previs and then another to like reassess after the team had all seen it and they wanted they had notes um, and then we shot on the day at the AR wall, which Trek has, which is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, the feeling was very much, it's an interesting fight because this is true, like storytelling through physical dialogue. La'an and uh, Una, they're friends. They don't want to, uh, Una doesn't want to hurt La'an, but La'an is taken over by this, the light. She wants to have the light and she's endangering the entire ship and, therefore the rest of the federation and everything so we had to build that into the choreo where it's like una has to make the choice she doesn't want to hurt her friend but she needs to defend it's like professionalism versus friendship right um professional duty and obligation versus friendship and also self-protection and we see laon's power come or sorry we see una's power come out in her too as she as she fights and at the end when she absorbs the light and it goes you know, big. So it had to be that big buildup. Plus we wanted to, we wanted to have the choreography feel like Star Trek, but also have a little bit of a modern twist. And I hope you're keeping a tally list somewhere, like how many double axe handle strikes you're going to do by the time Stranger Worlds is over. (laughs) I hope, I hope many, many, many more. (laughs) 
Double axe handles and monkey flips. That's the arsenal of uh, Starfleet in that time period. <laughs> yep, exactly. And I, I love what you said too, just about the way the fights are, because I always felt like with fight choreography, the best fights on screen are the ones that have some kind of story within them. Like I've always been a fan of like Samuel Hung's choreography because I've mm-hmm. always felt like there's, you know, there obviously is a reason for a fight. But there's also stakes within a fight itself that come in a lot of his choreography. So uh, it's great to hear that in Star Trek. That kind of also is the idea to have something within that fight to just not make it William Shatner X handling things, you know? (laughs) Right. I mean, we have to we should have that in there because it's great. But and it's like of the world. But, yeah, you want to tell a story. It should serve the story. This is the reason it's there. You know, it's just physical dialogue. So uh, can you tell us where you've been training to do some stunts? Uh, I, I would hope that there's a school. I know they're, they're hard to find across the country, but are you going to a specific school to train more and learn more about stunts? Uh, well, we always, like as a community, we train together. A lot of us train at the Monkey Vault. Um, that's not a secret. You'll see it on every stunt performers in Toronto anyway. Um, they're... they're Instagrams. And that's owned by a stunt coordinator here, a very talented stunt coordinator named Dan Iaboni. He owns the Monkey Ball. It's a great part of the community, great service to the community that we have here. So we get together and train tricks, flips, fight choreography, all that stuff. And then I'm training over at uh, Combat Arts. Um, That's also no secret. You can find it all over my Instagram. That's an incredible team of fighters there. That's not a stunt-based gym, but uh, many stunt performers will go train there. And you have world-class athletes and fighters coming out of there, too. Fantastic, fantastic gym. Now, if you don't mind, David, too, I'd like uh, to kind of go over a little bit about, uh, I guess, doubling, if you will. Because there actually is more than one type of double in stunts and in the film industry. Uh, so just, I guess, to clarify, what type of a double would you fall under? Are you a utility double? What, what exactly would you be? Well, I mean, I do them all on, like, if you have a look at my IMDb, and you're very correct, there's like, there's different slots. And it's kind of just what the show needs you for at that time and place. So on Strange New Worlds, I have the extreme pleasure of not only being a stunt double, but then a stunt performer. Um, In episode, oh, wow, why is the episode name escaping me? I think it's episode six. I'm the Linarian Guard. Um, And I have... Uh, I'm just a performer at that. Like I'm not a double. I have this great close up that they gave me. I throughout the episode, I'm um, the first servant guard, essentially played by Ian Ho. You know, he was an uh, incredible actor to work with Ian Ho and uh, I basically guard him. So I'm, I got to hit Pike across the face, which was pretty cool. <laughs> I was like, Oh God, I got to hit, <laughs> got to hit Anson across the face. We don't actually, we, we were very far apart, but the hit looked really good. I knock him yeah. out, um, chase him around with a bunch of guns. It was really cool and protect the first servant. Um, so you have your performer aspects, you have your doubling aspects where you're doubling an actress. And then that is like, so when I double Rebecca, I'm studying her movements. I'm making sure I'm moving exactly like her. And then uh, I'm, I'm sort of helping with along with the stunt coordinator. It's always the stunt coordinators in charge. But as the actresses double, I'm I'm helping her to sell her hits better when she's doing the hits to make sure she's safe, putting on her harness when she has to wear a harness for wire gags um, and basically just matching her as close as possible. And then utility stunts, uh, like I was on The Expanse. I had a, a bunch of episodes in season six where I was utility stunts, which was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, very cool. And that's where you're kind of like using your skill set because it fits in well with what the show needs. So I was helping harness up actors. I was testing all the wires when they needed to do a gag and they wanted to see exactly how people were going to fly. 
Um, so I get on the wires because I match the height and weight of some of the actors. So I go and do that. I help them build fight choreo. I help them, I don't like drag mats around, you know, those are sort of the three basic elements of performing. And then you have, you can get into driving. I, on, on, uh, Frankie Drake, I was Lauren Lee Smith's, uh, stunt double, but I was also her driving double and her motorcycle double. So when she rides a motorcycle, that's me riding. Um, yeah, that was really cool. Amy Zoke also was her, uh, driving uh, her motorcycle double, uh, seasons previous when I wasn't around on the stunt scene yet. And then Alicia Turner, who is an incredible stunt coordinator. Uh, she brought me in and gave me the doubling job, which was cool. And then when Lauren Lee Smith also has to drive the Model T4, like the original, it's a cool 19, I think it's 25 Model T4. I got to learn how to drive that and drive that through set. That was really cool. So yeah, there's there's all sorts of doubling that you can do and all sorts of performing you can do in stunts. It's its own universe. It's very cool. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, uh, I guess, you know, you've mentioned now the fight with Lon, you've mentioned uh, hitting Pike in the face, which is awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. But can you kind of just run down for the folks who would like to make sure they can spot you in Strange New Worlds? Uh, what are some of the stunts you have done in the first season so far? Yeah, first season. So I, uh, I'm i in Ghost of Illyria. Um, I'm fighting Laon and then picking up Hammer. It's so funny. We shoot these out of order and I know... But I don't know exactly the chronological order they end up in the series now. Oh, that's the job um, so for us to figure out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can go to my IMDb and figure it all out. Um, I'm a, a Lenarian guard. I uh, guard the first servant. And then one that we haven't really talked much about because I haven't posted it, but it is on my IMDb, is I had the distinct pleasure of being a Gorn arm performer. <laughs> I did want to ask you about that because uh, I did notice that. <laughs> On yeah. uh, on Memory Alpha, which is like the Star Trek wiki, and someone said like you're the Gorn arm, and I'm like, what? Isn't that? Huh? I think that's like my like m- most favorite randomest credit to date. <laughs> um, this is a cool story. So I uh, I was requested by the um, director Christopher J. Byrne um, to do this, to come in and do this because he knew me from discovery from directing me on discovery in prosthetics. And he's like, I know this, there's this one performer and I want her to do this. And that's very flattering. And of course they're like, Oh, Ava, she's already doing other stuff on the show. Of course we'll have her. So I, the, there's a puppeteer team that was in charge of the Gorn. Chris Bridges, uh, was leading that team and he was the lead, uh, prosthetics on that show too. And he's, uh, done an incredible job with that show both shows discovery and now um he was on the team on discovery and then got the the lead gig for uh strange new worlds and um he was like yeah it was nice it's nice it's always nice to hear when your name goes around a room and everybody's like yeah ding 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 green light that's great to hear so i got to go run into the studio put these gloves on and then start to work like with the puppeteers who are creating the gorn like in all its different stages how it would move and with chris burn how it would move um, yeah, so there's just a few shots where the Gorn is reaching for something, where it jumps into camera, where it uh, is swiping at doors and stuff. And that's all my arms. And then, of course, CGI applied over top of it. And like they didn't know how to credit, like put me on the call sheet. It's, so normally it's numbers. And then for this one, they put Gap. I think that was Jennifer Haufler. I think it was Jennifer Haufler, the, the one of the associate producers. She's lovely. She's like, let's just give her, like, let's just call her a gap. She's a Gorn arm performer. So I didn't get a, a number. I got a letter. 
And it was funny. We always like when I was walking around, I was getting too close. COVID team was like, mind the gap. Like they do in the London tram. Cause I'm the Goran arm performer. That was really fun. That is just such a bizarre credit to have that you are the gap in Star Trek history. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Filling in all the gaps. <laughs> And I was kind of surprised, but I guess a little bit relieved also that they didn't have you guys like in a full-on Gorn costume that you weren't just doing like, you know, 1960s Gorn, you know, outfit, rubber suit. Yeah, I, I can't really say anything, but uh, there there may be more to the Gorn um, coming, maybe, maybe. We're, we're going to leave it at that because I want to make sure that Ava Blackwell has a job in Strange New Worlds all the way to the end of the series. So Yes, exactly. Thank you. No more about that. But I do want to ask a little bit more about you doubling for Rebecca because like you mentioned yeah, something please. I picked up on. And, uh, you know, I've talked to Tim Storms also, who is uh, Patrick Stewart's stunt double. And he's yes, talked a lot cool. about how, um, you know, and you mentioned matching their movements. So I'm kind of curious here. So that when you come to a fight scene, does that mean that, you know, if Rebecca throws a front kick this way, you have to say, I don't throw a front kick this way. I throw, I have to do it her way. Like, are you completely changing your fighting style to match hers seamlessly? Uh, yes and no. Okay. So basically, if the actor does it one way and establishes it and you know they're going to use that shot, you do it the way the actor did. And that's just like kind of um, something that you get better at as time goes and you can talk to the coordinator about it and you just figure out what the show, like how the show is going to cut it together. Now, my job is to like make Rebecca look as good as she can. So if I know there's going to, they're going to use the wide shot and Rebecca's kicks are great, but obviously it's my field. Like I need, like, that's my expertise. She makes Una what Una is, and then I make her, you know, fight and then elevate it, right? So if I know there's like a cool kick that maybe is outside the realm of what Rebecca's physical capabilities, and she's very good with action, she's good at it. Um, but you know, if I can do a flying front kick a little bit better and they can use that in the wide shot, then I'll just send a flying front kick and then they'll use that in the wide shot and cut to her landing. So my job is just to make her look as cool as possible. And something else that Tim told us, too, when you know he's doubling for Patrick is he has to really be constantly in contact with him because he mm-hmm. needs to make sure his body is staying identical to his. And yes. uh, that can be a problem for him sometimes, too. So is this the kind of same thing with you and Rebecca? Like you're just constantly talking to each other about your workout routines and that sort of thing. Like, is there just that kind of constant need to make sure you guys always look the same? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Uh, Rebecca and I, like I said, it's I know what she's going to look like and I know that her routine isn't changing she does we talked about yoga and stuff we did talk about it we chat about it but i just pretty much make sure that um you know i'm maintaining my body and she's maintaining hers like it's a little bit with some other actresses it would be more of an in-depth conversation but because i know rebecca is such a pro and she's so constant with her stuff like i don't have to worry about her and you know wardrobe will also let me know if like her measurements are changing for something that uh sorry not wardrobe costumes i'm so sorry i made that mistake it's costumes um they've been fighting for that here in the union and we i just want to recognize that um costumes uh bernadette is the is the uh head of costume she's the designer on the show and she's great i love her she's lovely and she's she's a pro too so she'll just let me know if measurements have changed or whatever and then i just adapt now, you kind of mentioned earlier that episode that you appeared as the uh, guard where you got the whack pike in the face. And by the way, that was uh, Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach. I have it in my notes. Thank here. you. There we that. go. Yeah. That's what it's called. Yeah. So, you know, that that's kind of like my initial reason why I wanted to come talk to you again, because I didn't know you were doing stunts until I saw your face as a guard. And I was like, that's Ava. OMG. I know that person. I interviewed her. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's why, you know, I had to make sure I got you back on the show here to talk about what you're doing these days. But 
The question surrounding this me, this part of me just babbling here, is that, you know, oftentimes in modern TV, uh, as a stunt performer, once your face is kind of there, it can be difficult to get gigs again. And in your case, you, we've already seen your face, cause, you know, not just as Nalus, your face is covered, that's fine, but you've yeah. been Lieutenant Ina on Discovery, so we, Star Trek fans, they've seen your face, they would probably recognize it. Here you are in Strange New Worlds now as a different character, your face has been burned onto the screen. Uh, was there any concern about the fact that we've seen you before in Trek and here's your face again? Well, I brought that up. Like I told when the stunt coordinator was offering me that role, like the producers talked about it and they're like, there'll be some prosthetics. We do have like cheek prosthetics um, that do change the shape of my face a little bit. And, you know, I mentioned to them, I said, you know, as, as you are all aware, I'm Lieutenant Ina. So if you think it's appropriate and you think it's okay, please, like, I would love to do this role for you. And I talked to my agent and my team about it. And they were like, yeah, like we already see you're already established in Star Trek land, like do it if you want to. So I, I, you know, I took the gig um, and they were, they were kind enough to give it to me. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's kind of the fun thing about, uh, you know, the older Star Trek, especially if you watch like the Rick Berman era Star Trek is you'll see like Dennis Madalone and Tom Morga, like you'll see their faces all the time and it didn't matter yeah. back then because nobody thought yeah, about yeah. it. But, you know, here in like 2020, well, it's 2022 now, but, you know, in this time period, uh, it's just so much easier to pause it and be like, oh, hey, I've seen that person. Um, in general, I mean, is that as much of a concern for the stunt community as it used to be like 20, 30 years ago? Yeah, I mean, it is always a concern. And especially for um, stunt performers that are also actors, we're, we're, I mean, there's not a ton of us, but there are, we do exist. Um, you want to be careful that you're not burning your face on a show where you could like compete for larger roles. Now, from like like I said, because I'm already established in Star Trek land, I knew I probably wasn't going to get like a principal recurring or a large series regular with my face shown on Strange New Worlds. I could get it behind prosthetics, but I'm already doubling and all this other stuff. I'm busy on the show anyway. So I decided it was worth it to take this role. Cool. I completely agree. Uh, yeah <laughs> I, I know my input doesn't make a difference but i completely agree with that oh it totally uh, <laughs> makes a difference are you kidding of course it makes a difference thank you oh you so yeah i gotta ask would you rather be a giant alien covered in all sorts of makeup where you might not be able to see but you don't have to take any falls uh or would you rather be doing stunts where your face isn't necessarily even on camera at all oh god it's a hard one people ask me this all the time and the reason i do both is because i like them both if it came down to it and i had to choose I don't know. I want to do both. Like, can we just put them both in one role? Like, you know, and then I'm there doing everything. Of course, I was always an actor first. Um, that's where my career began. That's my first love. But as I, even as a kid and I was studying drama, I was also doing martial arts. So they're really both integrated to, for me. And a, like, acting is physical. And I only ever started doing stunts to extend my physical perform, like my performance capabilities as an actor and as a performer, I, I know it gets differentiated all the time. Like you're doing stunts and you're doing acting, but to me, I'm just, I'm a performer. That's what I do. And I like to be part of the performance team. So it's all integrated for me. I can't really choose. I think that's a fair enough answer though. I mean, why choose? Yeah. You can do both. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we had a chat again some time ago with another guest named Patricia Tallman, who's a very well-known stunt performer. And mm -hmm. like, I asked her a similar question too. And um, I mean, I, I don't quite remember her answer, but it was, what, there was some similarities to what you guys have said here. And it's really, if you can do both, why the heck not? Yeah, uh, exactly. It's just, it's just more so being able to survive the fact that you're doing all these big bumps and, and yeah, 
And kind of oh, the yeah, trauma I know, that comes I know all of the best chiropractors, the mis- best masseuses. Yeah, is that the word masseuses? Masseusai? Masseusu, masseusu. I don't know. I have masseusu. no idea. Masseusus. I know many massage therapists that are great. <laughs> if you ever need them in Toronto, let me know. Well, me now up. I know. <laughs> now I've got a reason to go to Toronto, get myself beat up and go see a chiropractor or a <laughs> All the massage, best massageologist, maybe. I don't know. Massageologist, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just speaking about Star Trek specifically, what's been the most challenging stunt you've had to do on set so far on either disco or on Strange New Worlds? Oh, well, I'm going to say like that fight, like there, there have been some really challenging ones. It was hard to get the movement of the Gorn, right? Like that was a very technical performance. That wasn't the hardest stunt. I would say, you know, at Ghosts of Illyria, that fight that we had to do, it was, we had to do several long takes on the crane, like just oneers of that fight back to back to back to back. And that was challenging. Like we would, we did that fight top to tail probably 12 or 13 times that day. Um, Like just back to back because like in the oneer, not including all the other bits that we did together, just from technical aspects of the camera needing to be right of them wanting a different, you know, take on it and all that other stuff. So that was very challenging just to not gas out and to make sure that you are um, performing to like every time giving it the best. Cause you didn't know which one was going to be used. Yeah. I think one shots in fight choreography are like just one of the most difficult, arduous things out there. Cause you got to constantly worry about where the camera is, worry about where you are. Uh, yeah. like I said, keep your energy up too. Uh, but, you know, I, I will say if you can get the wonder shots right, I mean, it looks amazing. It looks so much more real and immersive. Um, right. And for, for your own thoughts on this, I mean, do you prefer fight scenes to have lots of cuts, which in this case would also give the actors time to rest between the various mo- uh, motions? Or do you prefer to have actually just, you know, one take, we're just going to fight? Oh, my God. Well, I, I, I love watching wonders. Like, it, you know, and it just anything like whether it's an action-based film like like scorsese does sometimes like it, it's the beginning of uh oh my god is it goodfellas, oh, goodfellas. That be- yeah that begins yep. with that amazing wonder and then um you know you've got the 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 very famous wonders from the kingsman that have like crafty cuts put in but it still feels like a wonder through the entire thing and then you've got the wonder from old boy uh, in the hallway and villainess, which has some crafty cuts put in, but is for the most part just a oneer and the raid, all of like so I'm already giving you the answer as an audience member. I love, I'm so captivated by one shots. And for me, as a performer, it's like the ultimate in technical capability, like and and teamwork and everybody being everybody working together to make sure that that works well. It's the magic of cinema, right? Like just getting a oneer on anything is so exciting. Way back when we first did our interview in uh, September of 2020, uh, you were working on an MMA film, which was called EFC. And I think mm-hmm. you also just started to learn Brazilian jiu-jitsu around that same time. Uh, so I'd like to hear, first off, any progress uh, about EFC. And um, also, how's your BJJ going? Cool. Yeah, I will uh, address both. So EFC is um, just, it, it, it's finished. It's done. It's in the can. They're, they've got it ready to go. It's packaged. Um, there's some stuff going on with the distribution. I think the distributors are changing hands and all that other stuff. So it'll be a minute until that comes out, but it's in progress, slow and steady. And yeah, I had started BJJ and then, uh, had to stop because of COVID, um, everything shut down. And uh, obviously when I was working so much, I didn't want to risk contracting COVID. Um, so I basically stopped anything that was super close contact and BJJ is like the closest contact you can possibly get. 
But now I am studying with uh, David uh, Beckles at Combat Arts with Dynamite Jits, and uh, it's been going great. I got my first stripe (laughs) the other day. Yeah, so pretty cool. I really love it. It's one of my favorite arts. I mean, has has it been kind of hard for you to transition from the world of striking into the world of grappling? No, I I mean it's very technical. Uh, I'm still working all my striking arts. I um, I'm doing taekwondo, karate, boxing. I'm studying boxing with Socrates Celestial, who's the Team Canada coach uh, at Combat Arts as well. So I'm continuing with striking, but I just wanted to get my ground game better. And you know, in um, in Strange New Worlds, we did use some jujitsu and stuff in those fights. And uh, Neil is a big fan of jujitsu uh, and a practitioner of, of, of it. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that my, my ground game was up to par as much as possible. I mean, I just really want to see Una do a flying arm bar. So can you please make that happen? Yes! Me too! I'm pitching it for next season. So let's try Absolutely. it. Let's oh my god, I want to see a flying arm bar in, in Star Trek. We need to have that. Okay, cool. I'll let them know. Yes, t- tell them Trek Untold said that. that it'll go a long way. Yeah, sure. I'm sure it will. Yeah, totally. Now, I don't want to butcher his last name, so I'm not even going to try and say it, but uh, Babs, a.k.a. Dr. Mbenga on Strange New Worlds, I know he is a serious black belt in BJJ. Uh, in fact, oddly enough, there's actually footage of him fighting my uh, my BJJ instructor on YouTube from 1999. Um, wow. I don't know if I want to out myself who, who I train with, but um, yeah, that's out there. But uh, my question is, have you done any training with Babs? Has he shown you any moves? Has he shown you any techniques? Have you guys talked about this? Oh, we talk about it all the time. Like whenever we get together and I kind of pester him with questions, he's such a cool actor though. Like, and he obviously loves the sport so much and he's an incredible player, both on screen and with jujitsu. Um, yeah, he's always there to answer questions if I have them. Um, and he's strong. Like he's, he is, I would never want to get on his bad side, (laughs) you know, and I, 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 you know, whoever does, they're not going to be, uh, they're not going to be happy. <laughs> Babs is legit. I've seen the footage he's of him. Legit, like, yeah. Man, he, yeah, strong is a good way to put it, but his technique is really smooth. He's fast. He's technically, he's technically very proficient and he's strong. Like he's, yeah, I would not want to, I, I wouldn't want to fight him. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, I have this weird thing where I'd like to be choked out by him and just see what it's like. Like, oh, okay, so that's how, that's the right way to do it. Okay. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. Well, yeah, you'd learn the best technique, like the hard way, essentially, if you were on the other side of it. I mean, that's yeah. honestly like I think any martial art, but especially uh, especially Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, where it's kind of like you need to get constantly beat and tapped out all the time, and you kind of need, need to stay humble for that reason. But also, it's like, oh, that's the right way to do this move, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like the best ego check ever. So aside from like taking the big bumps, uh, what would you say has been the hardest part about you kind of taking a much more deep dive in Star Trek, especially, but just throughout your career, uh, taking this more deep dive into the world of stunts? Uh, what's been the hardest part? Did you ask yeah, about yeah, going into maybe, stunts? Not necessarily physically, let's say, but if, if there's a mental part, if there is a physical part of it, I mean, what's, what's been toughest for you? Oh, uh, well, actually I'm just coming out of it now. I did end up breaking my ankle on a show. Oh. Yeah. So I, I broke my ankle, uh, late February and I had surgery and luckily the community was really there for me and I had insurance cause it did happen on set. Um, and it was nobody's fault. It was just one of those things that happened. And it's truly like, it was the simplest thing. And there was a bunch of players and it was a well-rehearsed thing. And we did it a bunch of times fine. And one time it just didn't go fine. And it was the simplest thing. And then suddenly I'm out for, you know, it was five months before I could really work at all. And I focused more on my acting and, you know, I did, I I've gotten more into boxing so that I didn't put as much impact on my ankle. Um, but yeah, just, 
just getting through the recovery of an injury has been the hardest part so far, the most mentally and emotionally challenging. That's kind of like the toughest part about being a stunt performer in general. It's just the concern that any day, any stunt can go wrong. It could be the simplest thing. It could, you know, I mean, if you do a stair fall, yeah, there's a lot of risk, but it could just even be just a straight back fall where your head just happens to conk the floor. Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah, it's yeah. a big risk. Yeah, that's why that's why we're there. You know, it's a risk performance. Now, I mean, these days, though, you are making really big moves and stunts. I mean, it's amazing to see you now working with Rebecca, being her double. Um, but I'd like to ask, you know, what are your ultimate plans for stunts? What are your goals? Like, you know, when I reach out to you again for interview number three, where do you want to see yourself? I want to see myself, like, maybe with my own show. You know, I uh, I mean, it's, if Marvel's around, I'm, I'm right here. I'm here. <laughs> I have been working on my um, visa for the States. That's just in process, actually, right now. So that's exciting. I did manage the, the good thing about being in this recovery period is I've had a lot of time to do all my admin stuff at the desk. So I've managed to like reach out to managers and agents and I've got a great manager in the States. Now I've got an amazing agent who's repping me for specifically stunts and creature work, like stunt acting and creature work. And then we're building the rest of my team. So, you know, the reason I've gotten into stunts was to, uh, to, to like, basically expand my capabilities um skill set per capita as a performer and i'd love to be doing a lot more action adventure stuff all right so ava last question this is the most important question obviously here mm-hmm. to world season two what's happening what can you tell us oh my god i can tell you absolutely nothing I thought we had something, Ava. Like we've been talking for like an hour. I thought we had something. But it's for your own protection and mine too. I mean, I could tell you, but then not only me, but the rest of the studios uh, would have to come and kill us both because we. I have a life-threatening NDA signed. Unfortunately, that's a price I'm willing to pay. So I'm okay with that. But fair, okay. I'm not willing to pay that price. So we're just gonna have to wait and see. All right. Well, everybody out there, I tried. You can't say I didn't try. So there you go. He did try. He did try. Points for time. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. For a second time around, I'm so happy you got to do this. I'm happy I got to see your face as well. Um, and just congrats on, on your continued growth and success in the stunts industry. I'm genuinely excited. Like, as soon as I saw your face as the guard, I was like, I got to talk to her again. I got to see how things are going because, you know, that, I, I like talking to stunt performers and I really enjoy seeing them grow like this. So, this is legitimately very cool. Uh, I hope you keep continue moving up in this world, doing big, big moves. Hope we get you in a Marvel thing at some point. So, uh, Thank yeah, you. And, and best of all, though, you're doing all this in the world of Star Trek. So that's also very, very cool. So, uh, Ava, thank you so much for chatting today. Thank you so much for having me back, Matthew. It's so great to see you again. It's so great to talk to you. And, you know, I'm here. Reach out anytime. Hopefully next time we talk, I have, like, my own show. <laughs> yes, that's the goal. <laughs> that's the dream. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode of Trek Untold. Until next time, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trek Untold, all one word. If you'd like to directly support this podcast, please consider becoming a Patreon supporter over on patreon.com slash trekuntold, which gives you access to some great perks that can't be beat. Or pick up some merchandise from our store, or use my Amazon shop link to check out all kinds of different Star Trek merchandise. Links for all these things are in the show notes. Shout out to Triple Fiction Productions for being a key sponsor of Trek Untold. Don't forget to check them out and all of the fine folks whose ads you've seen or heard on this podcast, too. If you have any questions, feedback, or comments for the show, or would like to suggest a guest or discuss sponsorship options for any of these episodes in the future, send me a message at trekuntold at gmail.com. I hope to see you here again as we uncover more untold stories from Star Trek and beyond and get to know even more amazing people who have contributed to this ever-expanding universe. Until next time, I'm Matthew Kaplowitz, and remember, 
Fortune favors the bold. Trek Untold is sponsored by treksphere.com. Promoting fan-produced Star Trek content in all forms is powered by the Rageworks Podcasting Network and is affiliated with Nerd News Today.